a pastor friend of mine went to be with the Lord this last week. And his name is Brian Robinson. Uh, I think both his kids are married. Joy, uh, Lenoa took wedding photos and put those up. Of, they were really, and she knows she does photography on the side too. And they were real touching, and you can pray for his kids and for his wife, Faith. And uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be reading from New American Standard. I'm disappointed with the uh, the Christians. <laughs> and uh, after the Supreme Court decision, um, some of the Christians out got online and they're still online doing stuff. And uh, it's upsetting to me that they would uh, not be more gracious. They come down on both sides of things. They have different feelings. And, you know, that's not my business. That's between them and God. And you pretty much know where I stand on things. So I'm going to leave that alone. The last time I spoke, we spoke from Hebrews 11, and we talked about faith, applying faith and living out faith. And we had all the, you know, Hebrews 11. This is a New American Standard Bible I've got here. And uh, there's all kinds of stories in there of people in chapter 11 about applying faith. And so when we get to chapter 12, I read over it a few times to see, like, do I want to go there? Is, that, is this where God, you know, just because I was in the other chapter doesn't mean I need to go again. And, uh, but at this particular time in America, we can, we can just use whatever is going on in different cities or across the country. And, um, help, Lord. Help us. Uh, it's apparent that Christians in America are, um, going to need to apply walking with Jesus actively in the world more and more. Uh, we may have come through a period of time where if we go back, you know, there's a time where like most of the country believed in God and the numbers are changing about these things. And uh, so it's sort of like the ones that have a relationship with God they're going to have to walk it out and do it. The writer of Hebrews writing to, you know, Jewish Christians, in the end of chapter 11 here, I'm just going to stop and pray for a minute. Thank you for the worship songs, Lord. It is because we stand in awe of you that we are even here gathered. 
we need you to speak to us today, each of us exactly where we are. And we want to express our thoughts, our feelings towards you. Talk to us today by your spirit, by your words, in your scripture, by us being the body of Christ, being together before we all depart. In Jesus' name, amen. So the writer ends chapter 11 by saying in the 39th verse, and all these having, you know, has a list of all these people. All these having gained approval through their faith, they didn't receive what was promised. It would be later. Because God had provided something better for us, so apart from us, they would not be made perfect. There's a continual increasing cloud of believers that live with God that have been raised on the earth. And there is the ones that are alive now, and someone somewhere, probably right this moment, is coming into relationship with God. And if not now, the next hour, and the next hour after that, and sometime tonight, and um, everybody has a different timetable. Chapter 12, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now, the, the person who is writing this is un undoubtedly familiar with Greek games. And also, the Romans did stuff like that, too. You know, But the Greeks really liked racing each other and stuff and so I don't know where they have been but they have been somewhere where there's uh there is there is running uh and somebody's going to win he says so we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us that we also lay aside every encumbrance and the sins which so easily entangle us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, this person is probably older who wrote this. He knows it's in easily like tying our shoelaces together, you know, when you're asleep and you stand up and someone's done that and you fall over. Uh, it, we get entangled in things. He says, so let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. We need, like anyone that does something um, that they're trying to win at, they, they usually have to get really good focus about what they're going to do. You know, whether that's Olympic people, whether that's local people, uh, kids running the first time, or even doing some other sporting events. It, it could be whatever, couldn't it? They kind of get focused. He says... Here's what you got to make in your focus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author or the leader and the perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set before him, that's his motivation, the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame and and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He, he went through it. He got through it. He made it. So using this as, as like racing, he, um, this is the joy set before him. 
For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the writer's saying to them is that in being a Christian uh, out in different parts of the world, wherever they lived, that there's people hostile because they believe they follow Jesus. That immediately sets you up as kind of in a in a situation. Um, so so endure the hostility, he says, so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. You you won't wear out of situations. You won't let it get you down. And he, and he gives, um, verse 4, he says, You've not resisted to the point of shedding blood, and you're striving against sin. It's not been that cost, costly so far. <laughs> so far, it, it's not been that bad. Um, <clears throat> just putting it in there, you know, the writer's sort of like saying, but, you know, life's not over. There, something next week could happen. He says it, verse 5, and, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. Now he calls back up on things written earlier in Scripture. This is from Job, the beginning line here. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he, I don't like this right here. I tried to find better words right here in other translations. He, he scourges every son whom he receives. He, <laughs> that's a painful thing he's talking about. It's like, really, Lord? You know, it's like. Okay, so if we're, if we're your kids, you're going to bring pain into our lives? Have any of you ever thought about that? A little? admit that I'm kind of like a baby when it comes to, I mean, baby's probably not the right word, a very young boy when I come to this section. I complain a lot. I still complain a lot. You would think at 70 that I would be grown up and I would quit complaining. Uh, I'm concerned that I'm not going to get there, that I'm going to stay like this. I will complain about things. Do any, of you, <clears throat> do any of you complain about things in life situations? You don't have to tell me what they are. Just Have you had one this week? A few? See? Okay, there's an honest lady in the back. Thank you. Thank you. can hear there's fun going on in the room we, we could all go sit on the carpet together and have fun 
over there with them. Verse 7. Why does he do these things? It is for discipline that you endure, he says. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Teresa and I were talking about this the other day. It, it kind of proves that you're his child. You kids know that you have a mother because and that, that she's not your older sister. I mean, she's spiritually your sister, but you, you know you have a mother because she doesn't let you do everything you want to do. Am I right? And do I see nods over there? Okay, so that's a sign to you that she's not someone just living at your house, but she's your mother. Parents do this with their kids. Parents who love their kids do this. There are parents that don't do anything. They just have the children and, they, they, you know, they might have food and stuff for them, but they pretty much let them do what they do. And a lot of times they, they society has a harsh way of bringing discipline to them. It was because they didn't have discipline when they were younger at home. Now, sometimes, I have to be honest with you, I only had one daughter. There was one time that she was talking back to me as a teenager, and I got so angry that I popped her on the side of the face with my hand. I didn't make a mark or anything, but mainly it just so flabbergasted her that I actually popped her. She's, you know, her eyes went, you know, she didn't have to say it, but it's sort of like, you, you hit me. I said back, well, I just, I just, it was infuriating what you were saying. I love my daughter. I didn't want my daughter talking like that to her dad or anybody. And she was masterful, still is, at winning arguments. I'm sure I was losing that one. And that's why it came to you know, me popping her. I wish I hadn't, kind of, you know, so I could go down in history and say, well, I never, yeah, but I did. So that proves, like I'll use y'all as the illustration as, as family, so that proves that your mother loves you, cares about your future, how you turn out, wants you to be a good citizen in at least this country, right? So you just can't do any old thing you want to do. Despite how much you wish you could. And then as you get older and you start developing more toward adulthood, you will more and more have a different opinion of how things should be in situations and you will differ where your mom says go right, you'll go, I think I should go left. Or your mom says, that's white. And you go, well, I'm not so sure. I think it's like gray maybe. It could even be black. 
you know, you, you just take that because it's a natural development to kind of find your own way sometimes. Now, as a parent, I can tell you that sometimes that was okay. I knew that's what was happening, and other times it was painful, especially when your daughter had a different, a different view of things than you did. God is that way. You know, he said, what son is there, verse 7, whom his father does not discipline? Verse 8, but if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You, you are children that live in that household, but you're legally not one. Now, this is, I think he's, he's, he's probably been raised around the Romans, people of the Roman Empire, because... This is a word that they, they use. You know, they, a big deal was to be adopted uh, into a Roman. You know, you could become a Roman citizen by being adopted from somebody. And, and some people had to pay a lot of money and do all this stuff to become a Roman citizen. And others would say, well, I was born one. Um, as God's children, the writer's saying, like, the discipline is part of the proof that you're one of his children. So, so the other day, one of our friends had a job offering come up. They were supposed to go that afternoon for an interview, and probably, probably it was kind of a sure thing they would get the job if they would show up. So, at 1.45 in the morning of the day of the job interview, the police picked him up for an outstanding warrant that had not been satisfied in the past. So, I told Teresa and I are friends with them. I said, Teresa, if you see him, tell him, you know what? You're a child of God. They probably said, what? Hi, what's making you say that? Well, because this was a day that you were going to start your job, and at 1.45 this morning, the police picked you up for something that had not been satisfied legally. I mean, what's the odds of that? But if you're God's child, God is saying, I discipline my kids. I don't want you to start this new job without satisfying the stuff in the court system. Do you think he does stuff like that? I think so. I, things happen. I, I, have a, I can't think of me right this moment, but I have a lot of things in my life that like, why did you let that happen? But I've just not backed up far enough. I've just not backed up far enough to see, to remember this. I, I, th I know where this is in the Bible. It's in chapter 12 of Hebrews. You would think I would get it sometimes. I do occasionally, but the inner part of me that's the boy is actually, I'm glad you can't see it because he's throwing himself on the floor holding his breath, kicking before God. Now, it, 
it's probably funny to some angels standing around. Oh, look. How old is he? Uh, 70. Wow. I remember when he used to do that when he was four and five. He's still doing it. <laughs> oh, look, he's turning blue. <laughs> You'll have to take a breath in a minute. I see you laughing out there because, hey, don't we do this? Come on, let's get, let, should we turn off the camera so this is, you know, nobody can see y'all. They only see me. Don't you pout with him? Do I have any nods? Yes, I heard it with a word, yes. An amen. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you pout with him says that you're one of his kids. My friends that don't know him yet, they never pout with him. Oh, they complain about the police or they complain about this or complain about that, but they don't ever go, I can't believe God let this happen to me. They don't ever, they don't ever go that direction. It's the Christians. It's the Christians that their inner child comes up because they don't like discipline. From God. I don't like it. I don't even want to go to this chapter. I go, if I go to this chapter, can we not test me before lunch today or something? Or can we wait a few days about this? Because I am not being like trying to be your older brother. I am saying this in the most humility I can say. I am like you. I'm even younger than you. I mean, whatever it takes that I won't get up. Uh, oh, Taken with a switch outside later spiritually. I, I am not, I mm, don't want to go there. Verse 9 Therefore, we had earthly fathers to discipline and mothers. Okay? Fathers and mothers, like y'all got. Okay? We had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not? much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live. If we have natural parents, we have a spiritual Father over that has created all things. He has chosen this title. He could just use the word, well, I'm just God, but Jesus called him Daddy. He made it very personal. He made it so personal that none of the other Jewish leaders dared you talk like he talked. They were more respectful in that sense, or, or distant in how they treated God the Father. Jesus said, Abba, Daddy. God's, God is Daddy to him. Verse 10, for they... They disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. There is what's going on. When you have periods of time, whether it lasts a few minutes or hours or weeks or years, Sometimes different things are going on. They're all going on parallel. You, 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 like with me, I've always got multiple levels going on. God's po point is that 
He wants to make us spiritually otherly like he is. Holiness means is that, you know, he, he is this other. Holy, holy, holy. He is, we are his children. He's intent on changing us. All discipline for the moment, verse 11, seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Right now in our country, all the ranting and raving that's going on out there, when we get to the other side of it, there is going to be some people that are going to apologize. They may not, you may not ever hear it. But they're going to get calmed down. They're going to wish they hadn't said something, done some things. And they're going to go, I, I didn't go about that correctly. And in the end... They're going to have a peacefulness because that's the fruit of embracing the right, the rightness of things. Maybe some of you have got something in your life right now that is not right. It's just unjust. It is just unjust. There is no way it's right. And your job right now is to try to walk through that, doing what, what seems like God's will is, until you get through it, until you do all the steps. And on the other end of this, you will have Peaceful rightness. my head I'm trying to find an illustration from my life but all only ones that come up are ones that I can't talk about how could I say it in a vague way but truthful way I, I have reacted and done things at different times that I wished later that I hadn't said or done that way and then there are a smaller number where I was able to go through it step by step 
until it was over. And I didn't, it wasn't like ending in pride. Wow, I did okay on that. It was more like thankful. Wow, that turned out like it should. And now I can look back and go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that that my soulishness didn't get up and get and I didn't get sinful. I didn't I didn't I went the way it I I did it rightly. And I know it's you. I know you set me up for that. I can sleep well about those things. There comes one into my head right there. It's the it's the year nineteen seventy one. Four or five events that are all part of a greater event. I still, every so often, for no apparent reason, the memory of those four or five things come up and play like a little movie. And the good part is that I failed because it brought humility. I wished I hadn't. I wished I had righteous peacefulness about that. It makes me squirm to go through that. The people involved are long gone. Been with the Lord. I'm sure when I meet them again someday, if I, you know, I, I think we'll know everybody. We won't, you know, just we'll know people. And I'm sure I just got to go over and apologize. And they're going to say, well, I forgave you of that, like, you know, a zillion years ago. But I still want to do that. So he goes on and he says, therefore, he's put a therefore in now connecting about all this therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may be put may not be put out of joint but rather be healed in other words get fixed he's using natural stuff again pursue peace with all men and the sanctification or the being set apart without which no one can see God. There are men and women right now from Washington, D.C., across the country. Other countries, they don't care. (laughs) They got their own problems. But in our country, there are people right this moment, probably, not pursuing peace with all men. 
They may know God, but they don't care right now about making things right. And hopefully, after the heat of the moment passes, they will get straightened out with God about this. Because the writer of Hebrews is saying, if you don't pursue this, there's a chance that this is going to mess up your relationship with God. Whatever your, whatever, you know. It's usually not one, it's usually a series of things. He goes out, he gets really hot, he or she. See to it that no one, verse 15, comes short of the grace of God. Now that means, I, I don't know how to get around this, except that that means we're going to have to get in each other's life somewhere. You may have to have another Christian talk to, or you may have to talk, or I may have to talk to someone else about something. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, for by it many, by it many be defiled. The bitterness that comes from you or I can spread to those around us, those that we're in, have familyness with spiritually or naturally, and and we can make them. Pick up. Um, some of us are very good or, at oratory and at, and at saying things, and we take the stuff that we're bitter about, and not only are we still bitter, now four of our friends are bitter. Now, before the throne of God in his judgment seat, who do you suppose is going to carry more, be more in trouble there? The one that got bitter and infected for their friends i mean i don't know how that goes i just know that there's probably not going to be some where we would like to be committed for something it's going to be like yeah and i want to talk to you about this i mean our father is a father he's not going to let these things go i don't know what that's going to be like I think eventually it'll all be okay because he's a father. Now, he may send two of us over to talk. He's like, you and Teresa need to go. I, y'all go over there because y'all got business that y'all didn't finish up on earth. I'm just playing with Teresa because she's sitting in the back. Yeah, we've probably got unfinished business with a bunch of people that dad's not going to put up with. I really don't think we just cross over into eternity and everything's coming up. Everything is beautiful. I don't think so. You know, Scripture talks about the great white throne judgment, you know, that of God the Father, separating the sheep from the goats, the ones that know him from the ones that don't know him. Now that one shouldn't be the one that gives you problems because you know God. 
the one that makes your knees knock is the judgment seat of Christ. Where your older brother, who has paid for you with his life, made you family, and you have done some embarrassing things. Sold his name, so to speak, a little bit. Shouldn't have that Christian bumper sticker on the back of your car when you, you know. That part, I dread that part. I know he loves me. I just, I just dread that part. Verse 15, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many are to be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, Jacob's brother, who sold his birthright for a single meal. We just breeze through that, but we're, and we're not, you know, we'd have to be more Jewish to be. But can you imagine this? His, his place as the older brother in their Jewish lineage of their, fa- of their being who they are and he was hungry to the point that when Jacob says, well, I'll make, give you some of my soup, my red stew here if you'll give me your birthright. And Esau said, eh, that's a birthright. Who cares? Give me the soup. Verse 17, for, for you, you know that even afterwards, when he desired, that's in Genesis 25, 33, if you want to go look at it. For, for you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessings, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. And, and then the writer's going to back way back now. Back up. This is a closer view, and now we're going to back up. We're going to back up with all the howling in Washington, D.C. would stop if they were in touch with this section of this chapter. Over anything, not just right now. Anytime somebody's howling somewhere. It can be, it can be anywhere. The writer says, for 18, For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched into a blazing fire into darkness and gloom and whirlwind and in the, bla- in the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which the sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word would be spoken. This is when God's coming down the mountain in the desert, right? Before Moses, and he's about to give him a tent. You know, and that's where they said, you know, make a thing around the mountain. Don't let an animal or a person get through it. If they do, you kill them. Nobody's coming up. This is, God is declaring that this is a holy day. God, God of the universe is coming down on top of the mountain, starts flashing lightning, they start hearing a spiritual version of the trumpets. I, like, can you imagine trumpets in the, I mean, just, this is, this is a, a scary, scary scene. He is, he is your loving father, but in this moment, he's coming as, as the judge of all things. He, that part is forward. You know, he's, he's both, but 
Verse 20, for they could not bear the command. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it'll be stoned. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. But as hard as that was that day for the Jews out in the desert. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to thousands of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood his, which speaks better than the blood of Abel, who was you know, because his brother killed him. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him with warnings with, from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, and now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will, I will, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. But this expression yet once more de- denotes the removing of things which shall be shaken as of created things, so that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, God is a consumed fire. If God were to come down in Washington today and the news agencies were televising it live, everybody would put their sign down, no matter which side that they were on, They would shut up. They would fall on their face. They wished that the cars would climb over. They could climb under the cars. And there would be peace right then. Because the father of all things had stepped out of eternity into the air. Now just because he's not doing it right now. Well, we can see it on the news, doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. The culture is growing number of people when they do surveys of people that when they said, well, we believe in God, but we don't believe in God now. You know what? That doesn't change reality one bit. You think the the king of kings is on the throne going, oh man, I really feel bad. They don't believe in me now. This whole great plan of sending Jesus the great memory verse for children in vacation Bible school, but it, it gets just greater with time. For God so loved us that he sent his only son. Jesus being the obedient one, he says, yeah, for the joy set before him, he endured. 
but out in the garden. He said, not my will. If there's any way to take this away from me, what's about to happen, the crucifixion, you know? If there's, but nevertheless, not my will be done, your will be done. He went back and prayed it again. Was it three times? He, pray, he prays it until the sweat on his, his the sweat becomes so, in, so strong that the sweat becomes, blood is in the sweat. Ordinary people wouldn't have been like him, hanging on a cross, saying, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. There's no one like Jesus. We, we, we don't deserve him. But he first loved us. He came after us. And he has won our hearts. He's never going to leave you. sent the Spirit who's just like Him to be with you forever. And He's coming back in person. Well, I hate discipline. But I love discipline. The next time you see me, Teresa, holding my breath, laying on the floor, kicking, just walk by me and look down and go, uh. uh. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> if you're around me enough, you'll see the little boy come out for a while and like, and my wife really knows the little boy. Any questions? Anybody got anything you want to say? Yes. Yeah. I think my personal comparison is my friends that are on Facebook, and I last night I was just cruising through, and some of them are just ranting. And I know that at least they knew God the last time I saw them. And they may know God now, and I want to go, it's just painful because I want to go. Please don't go to church tomorrow and stand up for God because you need to get right about this because your attitude is wrong. Your attitude is so wrong. I don't care about Roe v. Wade. I care about your attitude. Your attitude is an embarrassment. Jesus deserves better than this. So it's, Yeah. I'm sorry, Lord, for all the times I've been an embarrassment to you. I know you love me. I, I know you paid for me. And I, I just like to quit doing embarrassing things.
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you're here by accident today. Like, you are, you are invited today to be exposed to this. Because I didn't want to do this. I'd rather go tell a flannel board story, you know, something fun. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Let's do something fun. You know, a fun part. Let's do Moses in the reed in the basket. Yes, let's do something fun. Let's don't talk about the grown-up stuff. Okay. I keep hearing stand off and stand off just keeps rolling around and I hear the song. It's like Yeah, that was a a divine choice. Yeah, you know, and the writer of Hebrews wouldn't have said these things and sent this letter to them if they weren't guilty of these very same I mean, undoubtedly, the enemy down through the years is just, is just a regular thing of, of doing, of just trying to get us embittered and trying to get us off track and just trying to, trying to just... We all, we, all, we all want to have peace that we can today if God tells us to do or say something that we'll hear it. And we'll obey. We'll, and if we're even fearful, we'll go, I'm afraid, but, I, but still do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We come to you in humility. For ourselves and our families and our relatives and our friends. May that peaceful righteousness surround us. May we have your grace in our words and our responses to our friends that are upset or embittered about whatever today. May, may their stuff, may their attitude not get on us and we go home with that. May, our, may the humility of being connected to you be in our hearts that when they leave being with us, they have more peace. That would be great. Thank you for this Lord's Day. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've watched us online or, you know, get in touch with some of us, I hope you have a good day.